me over there in a corner and he just kept talking to me and talking to me and I told my boss I said we got to come back the next day and clean it so we did we come back the next day and I looked up and my son says man look at all the flags and I said yeah that's all God's hand and then all the words across the wall he just kept speaking to me that Sunday I came in and I told uh, the pastor that you know I was told that I got cancer. I was told on May 5th of 2022 that, I'm <laughs> that I never would see my family again if I pass. And if the young man can, this is what they showed me on the, on the, uh, the screen at the hospital. That's the cancer in my head. And if you could bring up the other picture where it's blue and it's even bigger up. Nope, that's the next one. That's what it was in my head right there. I came here on Friday to a den's meet. And I told the boys, Chris, uh, Thomas, Jay, and I can't pronounce the other dude's name. I, I call him Masai, uh, Masseuse or what's, what's it? Manassas. They, they all put their hands on me. But the gentleman over here, Ricky, he came up and for somehow, I'd never told nobody but the pastor. And he said, there's somebody in this church that needs to be touched. Then I come back the next Friday and they all laid their hands on me. And whatever it was, it put me on the ground. They said I was convulsing and shaking. All I felt was somebody pulling in the back of my head. And kept pulling and pulling. And I told the, the pastor the following Friday, I'll let him know what's going on. So I did. And this is what showed up on Friday. To go to the black and white. Nothing. Hallelujah. Jesus. But the good Lord's been good to me. Not just that, the Friday before that, a lady was sitting up here painting. My mother clicked butterflies all my life. She painted a butterfly, why? And I kept saying, you know, Lord, what do you want? And he showed me a chapter, Isaiah 25. And I can't, I can't read it because I ain't got it in my hand. But that's what he, he told me to tell you. And I did. I told it to the men on Friday. But I tell you this, he's real. Jesus. I, mean, yes. I went back. Hallelujah. It's the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, let's just give God. God, bless your name, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this testimony. We give you all the praise, all the honor, God, all the glory. All the glory goes to you. You deserve it, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And you know, a part B to that is if he can do it for him, he can do it for, do it for anyone, anyone. Amen. God bless you. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you, Cody. He wasn't going to step foot in a church. And um, amen. You know, I, I grew up Southern Baptist. And um, when I first was introduced to praise and worship, my head used to leak all the time. I just, you know, it's just a leak because I'd never heard anything like that. And, uh, but I felt like it was always a, uh, a sign that the anointing, that there was something, the Lord was in the place. And uh, 
And that happened today. I couldn't stop my head from leaking. And, you know, and um, I like that, and I think God likes that. <clears throat> and um, anyway, it's just such an honor to be here this morning, honor to have you with us online, wherever you're watching from. And um, we believe in a big Jesus. You know, David Hogan will be here in a couple weeks, and I remember he was telling us one time he was here, he said, many of you have the limited edition Jesus, and you need to throw that one away and get the real one and uh, the big Jesus, and that's who we have, and you have, and he's going to touch you where you are. I believe God's going to use that testimony this morning in many places. You know, that was no small little lump in, in uh, Cody's head, and, uh, but we have no small God. We have a big God. And we're grateful. And I'm also thankful for those that, um, you know, we were part last weekend with John Dislin. And what a precious man. I told you he was a big guy, you know. And uh, he was the biggest guy I think I've ever seen. And, um, but no, I've seen other seven-footers. But anyway, you know, I knew God was going to use him. You know, the Lord is raising up voices for the hour. And when you hear their word, you know it's not just the word of man, it's the word of the Lord. And uh, that's the way I believe John is. And uh, his book, his manual, you know, Nehemiah Strong, I shared with a friend of mine and he agreed. And uh, he's been in ministry many years that that book will probably keep people alive in the days to come. Remember, it's, it's biblical for me to say that, Joseph, remember all that he went through. And it came to pass that many people were saved alive because of Joseph and because of his testimony. And uh, so we are, we're grateful. Now, you know, the scripture I was thinking in 1 John, you have no need that any man should teach you, but as that same anointing teaches you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't use men or women. But what we're listening for is the other voice in that man or that woman, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. And um, I thank God that John has been raised up for such a time. Now, today is going to be Rosh Hashanah. You knew that, right? This, this evening, the Jewish New Year, I, I heard, I didn't actually hear the speech. I just saw the report that the current prime minister is already declared before the, the United Nations. He's going to give away, you know, part of the promised land to become a Palestinian state. You know, we're living an incredible time and season on the earth. You know that, don't you? There are many things happening, and uh, it's only those that have some biblical understanding that's going to make any sense out of what's unfolding, what's being revealed. But the greatest revelation, don't forget, the greatest unveiling is Jesus Christ himself. He's the one we're looking for, and we're going to hear all kinds of things that are happening but we're looking for the unveiling, the revealing, the revelation. And we're living in those days. The grace of God that will be given to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to turn with me over to uh, Proverbs. And that's going to be the text this morning. We'll look at some other things. But I believe the Lord has given me something for the times. And he always does, I feel. I'm, I'm, I'm always anxious to get here. You know, and just hear what God is going to say myself. And I mean, that's the way it's always been. I always have a great expectancy. Uh, I believe the Lord's going to show up. I believe, you know, when you preach, you should preach as if you're preaching the very oracles of God. I've always believed that. Now, does that mean I'm hitting it always 100? You know, hey, we're flesh and blood. But I believe that anyway, that we're to preach as if you're preaching the very word of God. You know, if, if many believe that around America, you, things would be quite different. You're not just giving someone your opinion. You're speaking, thus saith the Lord. And, um, and so anyway, I believe that And when you preach the word, then there's a good chance you're saying, thus saith the Lord. But look in Proverbs 23, beginning there with verse 17. It says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. Say, all my days. For surely there is a hereafter. Now, some versions will say there's a future or there's a latter end. I like the word hereafter, so we'll just stick with that. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope 
will not be cut off. Say, my hope. Hear, my son, and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. And this reminds me, remember in the days of Noah, there'll be those eating and drinking and uh, living life as if there will come no end. But suddenly things are going to be changed. Listen to your father in verse 22, who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. And I believe that's the mothers and fathers of the faith. And this is the time to be family, be community. And then verse 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Don't give it up for anything. Don't be bought out. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So, Lord, we just pray now for understanding. We pray for wisdom. Lord, we ask you to give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Lord, we thank you again for this marvelous testimony. And thank you even now, Lord, we remember uh, Tony Johnson. God, we pray for a major miracle. Lord, an undeniable change in his health and in his situation. And many others, Lord, we thank you. There is nothing impossible with our God. And Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this week, and I'm not really trying to hear these things, you can't but help hear how another young athlete, and this week I believe it was in Georgia, 17 years old, just suddenly dropped dead. And the students that witnessed it, they said it was obviously very traumatic. And yet that's just one of many examples of athletes all over the nation and people all over the world. Now, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to know what's happening. You know, there's a principle called the cause and effect. And, you know, the effect is a result of whatever has happened, the cause and things are happening all around us. And, uh, you know, the church should be alert and aware and not, not just caught, not sound asleep. We're not the woke crowd. We're the awakened crowd. You know what I mean? Being woke in this hour will put you to sleep and liable to put you six foot under. You need to be awakened and by the Spirit of God and be in love with the truth. Don't sell it. Don't give it up for nothing. And then... You know, we're hearing so much, many national leaders, and they're not just referring. I mean, they're saying it's coming. Nuclear war is on the horizon. I uh, saw, you know, the new prime minister of the UK. They were interviewing her, and they were just asking, would you be willing, you know, to pull the trigger, even if it meant the annihilation of humanity? And she responded, Maybe that's why she was brought into that position. She said, I'm willing, even if it means the annihilation of humankind. And there are people talking like that today. And the only thing I can think of when you hear that, you know what the Bible says, and that is we're living in perilous times. We're living in times you don't want to be caught off guard. You don't want to be asleep. You don't want to be drunk with those that are drunk with the things of the world. You want to be alive in the spirit. You want to be hearing God. And I believe there's something out of this scripture in Proverbs chapter 23, where especially in verse 17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there's a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. Now, the phrase, do not let your heart envy sinners, it is actually an encouragement in the Hebrew not to become overly negative or overly, overly positive to those who seem to be getting away with their sin. If you notice, it seems like there's some getting away with it. It's only seeming like it. I, I read this morning, and I often read Oswald Chambers, still speaks to me after all these years. He said, Jesus Christ demands that his disciple does not allow even the slightest trace of resentment 
when faced with tyranny and injustice to come. We don't have that privilege. We can't grow resentful. He goes on, he says, no amount of enthusiasm will ever stand up to the strain that Jesus will place upon his disciples. Because the ultimate goal is that Christ be formed in us. And uh, so we don't want to just get too excited, get too, de- we don't want to get depressed at all as to those who are seemingly getting away with evil. Ours, I believe, we're to be these that are described in Proverbs 23, be zealous for the fear of the Lord all your days. Now, all your days, what does that mean? All your life, you know, regardless of what's happening on the earth, we we don't have the, the privilege to grow resentful. Just be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Fear God and then have faith in him, in his word alone, right? You know, the word of man Men will come and men will go. Nations will rise. Nations will fall. But he that does the will of God will abide forever. And um, though others are turning away, we're going to remain faithful. Say, remain faithful. We stay the course. There is no plan B in this hour. You can't, what what other option is? You know, the disciples said, who else are we going to turn to? You alone have the words of life. So we pursue the Lord. We're going to follow him regardless of the cost. The scripture this morning came to my mind again, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave his life for me. That's our testimony. He is our life. That's what we've been waiting for. Regardless of what happens, Christ is our life not depending on the circumstances. It's depending on who Jesus Christ is in us. Does that make sense? And, uh, ju- you know, just to remind us, the assault that is going on right now, it's, it's a global assault against all the nations. It's against all of humanity, everywhere you look. But number one, this war, we have to keep in mind, is against God himself. Those in the earth that have rejected Christ They're at war with Almighty God. How many of you know that eventually that's not going to work out too well? We know who's going to win. We know who already has won. And uh, I heard, I can't even believe they're saying these kind of things. I can't believe we're hearing this in this hour. But this one global leader that's a part of this global organization, he said, we know that God is dead. Now we're going to eliminate his body. Well, I wonder what he means by that. I know exactly what he means. So, but number one, the war is against God himself. Secondly, it's against his people. And that's Psalm chapter two. We've looked at that scripture many times. You know, when the nations rage and the heathen, they plot vain things. We know that their war is against God himself and against his anointed. Say, I am part of his anointed. So guess what? We're in a great battle in this hour. And then the the assault is against God's purposes. How many of you know they might seem to be getting away? They might seem to be actually coming out on top, but when it's all said and done, it's not going to be that way. And, uh, but anyway, I, I, here's something else this morning. I heard this song and I looked it up, the words, it was called In Feast or Famine. And that's, well, great. That's a great topic. But it tells us what our attitude should be. And the chorus went like this. In the harvest, feast, or fallow ground, my certain hope is in Jesus found. My lot, my cup, my portion sure. Whatever comes, I shall endure. Whatever comes, I shall endure. Now, I I wish I could tell you everything, you know, is just going to turn around And we're all going to live happily ever after on planet Earth. But if I told you that, there's some that seem to be saying that from time to time. I'm not buying it, and I'm not going to tell you that. I can't guarantee we're going to live happily ever after on the Earth. But I can guarantee you those that are in Christ are going to live happily hereafter, in the hereafter. And death will be proven to be defeated. The last enemy, death, shall be defeated. Now, we know he already defeated it. He rose from the dead. 
But we too, those that have died with Christ, shall also live with Christ. If you've been crucified with Christ in his death, you also shall be resurrected in his resurrection. That's part of our inheritance. Say, it's my inheritance. The resurrection of Christ. That also involves what will happen to us. Listen, we're not dying. We're actually preparing to live for all of eternity. Death is not our destiny. It's eternal life. Now, I want to shift gears and just share some things. Look over, if you would, in John chapter 14. I just felt that we needed to go there again. And, um, you know, especially we're getting ready to do this survey on the streets, very simple. But it's to just get in the face. I mean, you don't have to get right up in their face, you know. I mean, you know what I mean. But we're going to... We're going to confront them with this question. Do you believe in an afterlife? And are you going to heaven? Are you certain? And why? People need to know why. You don't just, you know, because you're an American, you're automatically a Christian. That is definitely not true in this hour. In fact, most would say that's the the opposite. And uh, most of our nation has rejected God if, if what we see is true, if any of it is true except for a remnant of believers. And we've not rejected, and we're not going to reject. Say, I'm not going to reject him. No matter what happens, I will stand for him. And that's just my story, and I'm sticking to it. Just say it. Now, John chapter 14, a very familiar text. but um, So I thought it would be a good idea, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit to put this on my heart. It just happened to be all at this time to remind us some things that the Bible says about heaven. So notice in verse 1 of John 14, Jesus, he says, let not your heart be troubled. That's a good word for this hour, isn't it? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's almost like the Lord saying, okay, you say you believe in God. Well, now is the time to believe in me. And in every word that I've spoken, every promise that I've given you, now's the time not only to say you have faith, but live out your faith. Because your faith is in one who is faithful. And even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. So let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas said to the Lord, I don't know that he was doubting, he's just being honest, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We we don't know, how do we, how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about heaven. And, you know, I believe what we're preaching this morning is part of the apostolic gospel. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not. We're going to use it more and more because that's the gospel. Now, we know it's the gospel of the kingdom that's going to be preached in all the world. But it's an apostolic gospel that you will hear from the church at the end of the age. And it will all focus on all things that are being summed up in Christ Jesus. And when I, this week down in Fort Mill, one of the speakers preached on the apostolic gospel. And I was getting a little bit excited because I thought, God, that sounds like the kind of stuff that we preach at the gathering a lot. I thought it really was encouraging. Now, I'm not saying we hit it every time, you know, 100%. I don't know. That's not going to happen. But at least we're in the ballpark. And so we're going to push into the apostolic gospel like we never have because it's all about Jesus, the resurrected Christ, all supreme, the one who is and was and is to come. We have faith in the one who was We've got faith in the one who is to come. We have faith in the one who is right now the great I am. He is thy I am. Now, what does the Bible say about heaven? Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. What does that mean? That means it's written in stone. 
No one's going to erase it. You're not going to change it. What God has said is thus, it's there, period. It's, you put a period behind it. It's thus saith the Lord thy God. His word is true, and no one can change it. You're not going to, you're not going to do anything to make, make it any different, except what we are to do is to bring it on the earth. Believe it on the earth. You believe in God. You believe in his word. Now believe in me. And, and then, you know, the Bible, Jesus said, Lord, teach us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that means let what is spoken in heaven, let what is done in heaven, let it be established on the earth. How does that happen except for people like you and me to come into agreement with what God has already said? And it's, Lord, we believe. Yes and amen. So be it. And we're going to walk it out so that it can be a testimony for the earth. We're to be a testimony. I mean, just what happened with Cody. But all of us, we have a testimony that prophesies who Jesus is right now, this day, 2022. And, you know, there's a number, the word heaven has a different, a number of different meanings. There is the atmosphere above us, you know, the, the heavens. And uh, then there's the firmament, the sun, the moon, the stars that are fixed in the heavens. And then in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12, remember Paul said there was a man, I don't know if he's in the body or out of the body, but man, he had this out-of-body experience. He was called up into the third heaven. And uh, so there's the biblical understanding that there's the first heaven that we can see, the second heaven. You can see a lot further now than you used to in the second heaven, in the natural. Because didn't they just, someone, some satellite take a picture? And Rick was talking about that Friday night. It was an amazing word. Man, this galaxy is amazing. Guys, there are thousands and thousands and thousands, no, billions and billions and billions and billions. This galaxy, this universe, man, it just goes on and on and on. And they found out it's ever, it's ever increasing on and on and on and on. There's no end. And as, when they create a satellite where they can see way, 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 thousands, you know, no, billions, trillions of years, light years, they realize that's just the beginning. You can see more and more. And anyway, when I see that, it just tells me God is a big God. I told Rick Friday night, we're walking after, you know, getting ready to go to our room. I said, Rick, after hearing your word, God is a big God. He said, yeah, and we're little people, <laughs> you know. And that's exactly true. But there's an ever-increasing. And we also know not only in the natural, there's the spiritual second heaven. And that's where the angelic hosts are in the demonic realm. Now, personally, I'm kind of glad at times I don't see. Like some people tell me they see these things. And I figure if you see angels, you may see demons. I'd just soon not see some of them, to be honest with you. Because they're ugly, and many of them probably look like the creatures they put in our movies. Because that's probably where they got the idea to create some of those things and it's and stuff like that. But anyway, remember, there are times you need to see the host that's about you. Because you'll be convinced there are more against you than there are that are with you. And so, remember Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. Open my servant's eyes. So he opened his eyes and he saw the chariots. He saw the angelic host. He saw there were many more with him that were than they were against him. And so it is today. So we do need to see that. And, uh, there's, but the Bible talks a lot about heaven. For example, there's windows of heaven. You remember that? Where's that found? In Malachi. At one of the greatest. It's really, you know, I think to tempt the Lord or test the Lord, we see in the New Testament, you know, you don't want to do that. But in the Old Testament, the Lord says, just test me. Prove me. You bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. You test to see if I won't open up the windows of heaven for you, and I will bless you beyond what is capable of even imagining. Amen. So it's all in the Scripture. You say, well, is that for today? Well, the Bible says whatever was written beforehand was written for our example on whom the ends of the ages have come. 
And if you're going you're gonna to need windows of heaven opened up in this age like never had you have ever known in, in all, of, all of history. And if you're obeying God, the windows of heaven will be open for you. And he'll also rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Now, New Testament is all belongs to him. But we know that it was written for our example. And anyway, you remember what the Lord said in Malachi. There are two examples of where a curse will come. One is to those who rob God. You're cursed with a curse. Now, I know many explain that away. Well, you explain it away all you want. I just know what it said. And then later on at the end of Malachi, lest I curse the earth with a curse, except for the fathers be turned to the children. Those are two examples in Malachi. Well, on and on, there's the gates of heaven. There are doors open in heaven. Remember Revelation chapter 4. Uh, remember, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who have no need of repentance. So there's a lot of joy in heaven. Man, I'm looking forward. I have to be honest, Marla, whenever we were getting toward the end, my mind was, God, let there be another song. Please, one more song. One more. One more, God. Because it was glorious. And I believe that's the way church ought to be. God, please let them have church on Thursday night. Let them have church on Wednesday night. God, I want to worship you. You alone are worthy of all of our praise. The joy in the house of the Lord. The more bizarre the world becomes, the more joy the Lord will be in his midst, in the midst of the joy of the Lord. It'll be our strength in these days. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. So it's a place where prayer is released, the answers to prayer. And then Acts chapter 3, verse 21. Remember, it speaks about in heaven where, that Jesus, where he must, be, he must be held until the restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. And there are many more scriptures. I could go all day about heaven in the Bible. So let's just look at some things that I see out of John chapter 14. Everybody with me? Okay, there, I don't know. It won't, it won't take too long, 10 or 12 things, but I'll go quickly. So you just listen quickly. I remember hearing a story about a guy, you know, it was Francis Frangipan. He's preaching and a guy got up, went out the door. Before he could get out the door, Francis said, hey, where are you going? And the man said, I'm going to get a haircut. Francis said, what do you mean a haircut? Why didn't you get a haircut before you came to church? He said, before I came to church, I didn't need one. And anyway, you got to figure all that out. Anyway, he was there all day. We're not going to be here all day. But there's going to be a day where we're going to be around. Listen, that's what we're made for. The apostles' doctrine. You know, people, I have people that they don't like that word doctrine. It just means teaching. The teachings of Christ. The apostolic gospel. You'll recognize when that is preached and you'll recognize when it's not. Because Christ will be exalted. And anyway, so heaven, heaven. Here's what I believe Jesus said. Number one, heaven is a promised place. There is a hereafter. How many of you know that? Man, you better believe it. I'm looking forward. I don't want to go there before my time. Nobody wants to go there before their time. That's why you need to be wise as a serpent in this hour. Don't just take every word of whoever says whatever is to be for granted. Here, my people are led by the Spirit of the Lord. And we want to hear his voice. And I thank God another voice we're not going to follow. Amen. You got to stand on that. Believe, I'm not going to hear. I may hear, I'm not going to follow them. I'm going to follow your voice. But it's a promised place. We need promises all of our lives. The promises of God. When you're a new parent, you need promises. You got to stand on, you know, I believe, Lord, if I raise up my child in the fear of the Lord, in the ways of the Lord, when he's old, he, he or she will not depart from it. How many of you are standing on that promise? As a parent, you, that's, man, I'm trusting you, God. 
You're the one going to grab hold of my son or my daughter. Draw them back, Lord. And no, none of us were perfect. Hey, listen, he's the perfect one. You might have just shared a few scriptures along the way. Well, hey, listen, that might have been all you needed to share. The Holy Spirit will drum up all of that. He'll bring it back to their memory. And he'll bring forth the purposes of God. And so we remember. And then you need them when you're in trouble, hardships, you know, uncertainties, times when you need to make decisions. Okay, God, which way do I go? Well, he said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. So we're standing. And then you're going to trust him, you know, to finish what he started in me and to keep us and on and on and on all through our lives. Heaven is a place of promise. And then heaven is a prepared place. Say prepared. You know, Jesus, he said, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's something about the nature of God that he's always preparing us for what yet is to come, but he's preparing the what is to come so that we'll be ready for that. He's a preparing God. He's in the preparing business. It's part of our nature. It's part of our DNA. Psalm 23 says, I'll prepare a table before you in the very presence of your enemies. That means when your enemies think they've got you, I've got them right now, man, right where I want them. No, the Lord has already prepared a table, prepared a banquet. All that I need is wrapped up in Christ Jesus. The kingdom has been given unto me. I have it all. So he's prepared. And then heaven is a place for a prepared people. You don't go there because it's your uh, natural you know, I heard so many people. We tried to ask. We were out in Colorado this week, you know, Deb Lowe's, and we had a wonderful time with, your, with Kelsey's wedding. And uh, so, you know, I bring these little cards that um, it's like a master card, but it's, you know, it's a way, the, the gospel. And I always just give me away. Hey, I want to give you a card that will help you pay for your next meal. And Oh, great. Thank Well, and I tell them quickly, it's not about that. It's about the one who paid for your sins. He's offered you forgiveness. And anyway, I was, did that with one young man, and, and uh, he, he said, oh, man, yeah, I know all about that. My father was a shaman in Alaska. <laughs> I said, really? Wow, that's wonderful. I mean, my goodness. That made you, you must be qualified. I didn't say that to him. I was thinking in my mind, oh, your dad was a shaman or your grandfather. You, that makes you qualified. No, listen, you're not qualified because you, and I hear many people say that. Well, my father was a preacher. Whoop-de-doo. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. What about you, my friend? Who do you say that I, the son of man, am? You got to ask him that question. It's for prepared people. We want to be prepared. And then heaven is a real place. It's no fairy tale. It's not make-believe. This is not a make. Listen, the gospel, all, everything that we read, Jesus said, teach them all things that I've commanded you. All things. Well, this is one of them. And heaven is no fairy tale. When I was a kid, I could come up with some whoppers. Man, I had a big imagination. Anybody else? I was convinced someone lived under my bed. And then he moved to the closet. So I'd open up the closet very slowly. And... Uh, Anyway, there was, no th there was nothing in that closet. Now, if I'd have seen something, and in my mind there were times I did see something. You know, how many of you, I'm just being honest. I'd get under the cover. Man, I knew that something, something was in that room, and it wasn't going to get me. I was safe under the covers. And you're safe. You're safe under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ today. Get under. Stay under the blood. But anyway, heaven is real. It's no imagination. And you don't see it. I mean, people have gone there. And they come back and they've told us these amazing testimonies. It's the Lord telling us, hey, this is an un... It may be unseen, but it's real. Heaven is real. And then heaven is a place where there's only one way to get there. Only one way. Now, this week I heard... Yeah, somebody sent me this. So I looked it up. And they recently had this great religious gathering of all the religions represented of the world. 
and the Pope sponsored it. And it was, it was an article. And, and what it was, they produced the Seventh World Religion Congress of the Human Fraternity Document. That's what it was. And it was a document calling all the religions of the world to agree and come together on Except the only thing they left out, they, they had all the, other, all the religions included except one. Guess which one was left out? Jesus. So you are welcome in this world fraternity. And I wrote it down. They actually made a statement in this document. Basically, they said, any coercion to a particular religious doctrine will be unacceptable. So they signed this agreement. We're not going to accept anyone that, is in, that says their way is the only way. Well, guess what? We're in, we're, we've been excluded from that religious body because we're not, Listen, there's not many ways. There's only one way. And his name is Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And I'm sorry I may not be accepted in your fraternity of religious world, whatever you call it. Sounds really fancy. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm a fool for Christ's sake. And I'm going to live or I may die, but he is the one that I stand for. Because he's my way. He's my truth and he's my life. He's the word made flesh. He's the one that dwelt among us. He's the one that was tempted at all points yet without sin. And then he sacrificed his perfection for my imperfection. He's the glorified Christ. He's the risen Savior. He's the one, the soon coming King. There's no one like Jesus Christ. And then heaven is a place where many are going to gather. Many. Now, anyone, we're not, you know, there's, I mean, there's a narrow way, but I believe many are going to find that way. If it's up to us, many are going to find that narrow way. Yes. And uh, in fact, Hebrews chapter 12, you don't have to turn there, but it talks about some things. You can read it later, but it speaks, I believe it's a picture of heaven. It's called Mount Zion. It's called the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That sounds good to me, doesn't it? And it speaks about an innumerable company of angels. Now, I know there's a bunch of demons. I, you can, oh, man, you see them on television. The masks are coming off. They look like people, but they're demons. But they're far more angels than demons. Far more. The Lord of hope. The Lord's army is far greater than Hale's army, far greater. And then it says there's the general assembly, and it says the festal gathering of the firstborn. In heaven, there's going to be a great festal gathering, shouting, celebrating. Some people think it's going to be boring. Boy, it ain't no boring in heaven. If you think the universe continues to unfold and be revealed further and further, and what do you think heaven's going to be like? It's going to be joy. And then there'll be those whose names are registered in heaven. Yeah, there's a registry in heaven. We had to register. I don't know where we went this week. There's, oh, we had to register to get in the hotel. We had to register to do all these things. Well, you got to register to get to heaven. There's only one way. You got to be sealed by the blood of Jesus. You got to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. And then it says, the spirits of just men made perfect by the blood of Jesus. And it speaks about a mediator of the new covenant. And then it goes on to God, the judge of all. And he is going to be judge of all. How many of you know that? It's part of his character. And then it goes on and on and on. But in Revelation chapter 7, there are going to be tribes and tongues and multitudes that will be gathered around the throne. And I'm telling you, all the saints are going to gather together. That's why I feel so at home, you know, in this Uganda revival that's continuing on my little iPad on my back porch, continuing on now into the second year. I feel so at home with these guys because we're all part of a great family. And I don't know that I'll ever go to Uganda other than by the Internet. But it doesn't even matter. We're going to all stand before the throne. All of us, from all over the nations of the earth. And then heaven is a place that just knowing exists will give you a lot of peace and comfort. 
That's what Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, there's going to be some trouble in the earth. There's going to be some perilous times. There are going to be some situations. They're going to bring a lot of strain, a lot of stress. We already talked about this morning. We do not have the right to become resentful. It's not who we are. We have been crucified with Christ. No longer I that lives anyway. That's how you'll know if it's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. And you'll know that. But there's going to be a lot of joy. That's why I said, let not your heart be troubled. What does that mean to us? It means whatever comes my way, there's more yet to come my way. Because I put my trust in the way. And this is just... This is not the end of the journey for me. And uh, 1 Peter 1.4, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we've been called to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. In other words, heaven is a place where we're going to receive a great inheritance. That's why Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where the moth and the rust can come in and destroy, but lay up your treasures where? Lay them up in heaven. There's no moth, no rust going to get to it there. There's an inheritance laid up that is undefiled, incorruptible, reserved. Listen, you got to, do you have a reservation in heaven? That's the number one thing. And then secondly, there's a lot of things reserved for you in heaven. And I'm telling you, I'm looking forward. Not before my time, but I'm looking. You should be looking forward. That's where we're going to spend all of eternity. It's nothing, these 70, 80 years, if whatever, it's nothing compared to that. And then heaven is a place of finality and eternity. You know, as you just listen a little bit to this globalist movement, they think they're going to live forever. They're trying to eliminate much of the earth, and yet they're going to live in some eternal test tube. I even saw where you can have your bodies frozen. Really, this is real. You can have your body, now if you're the elite and you can pay, you know, trillions. And anyway, you can have your body frozen. They'll thaw you out later down the road when a cure comes or they'll have an organ because they'll have plenty of opportunities anyway. That's a different subject <laughs> for organs anyway. It's a wonderful time in which we're living. But it's all coming to an end. Can I show you this? Look over in Ecclesiastes. You got to laugh a little bit at what they believe. And because they're starting to say it now, they're coming out in public. And anyway, it's, they're not even hiding. Now look at this. Ecclesiastes, I want to show you their destiny versus the destiny of the saints. Regarding death, look in verse Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 6. Because for every matter, there is a time and a judgment. Say every matter. There will come a judgment to every, you know, how does it, they believe that the end, no, the end justifies the means. That's what they believe. But really, the truth is the means justifies the end. There's a cause. If, if you make the corrections now, the end will come to pass just as he said. But anyway, look at this. Because for every matter, there is a time and a judgment. Though the misery of man increases greatly. They think their miseries are coming to an end. They're going to live forever. But no, I have news for them. Their misery will increase greatly. That's what it says. All right, verse 7, for he does not know what will happen. He thinks he knows, but he, well, he doesn't know. So who can tell him when it will occur? No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit. And no one has power in the day of death. No one has power. No one can delay their day, their appointed time. No matter if they've saved up organs or whatever they've done, they've frozen and I, they have no power in the day of death. There is no release from that war. Say war. It's a war. It's the final life's battle. We know that death has been defeated. But for those, they will lose that war unless they've been to the cross. 
There is no release from that war, and wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. And all this I've seen and applied my heart to every work. And he goes on and on, and we could read so much more about that. But heaven is a place of finality and eternity. Say finality and eternity. Now, it is a place where we're going to live happily ever after. Really, eventually, that is a saying that will come to pass. I can't imagine anybody being depressed in heaven. Now, I know there's the judgment seat of Christ where we judge what we could have had, what we had in light of what we could have had, the things we missed that we didn't do, things we, you know, we didn't have faith. Whatever, all these things, but there'll also be the reward for those who were martyrs or whatever, you know, the crown of righteousness, all these things, but there's a finality. But the the victory comes when Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the final story. And you can live forever. It's not the end. And then heaven is a place where we will call home. We, this morning, you're walking up the stairs, and you said, I feel like I'm home. Good to have you back home. Last night, surely, we were down at Morningstar for the Harvest Fest, and I've been around Morningstar forever, way, way, way back. All of our, just about all of our married life. And, you know, she said, she told me, you know, I feel like I'm home. Rick preached one of his astounding messages on the, the universe, and the, it was just incredible. And Tom Hardiman spoke a, a great in-time, timely word. And then that word on the apostolic gospel. I, and she just felt like we were home. Well, you know, all of us, the moment you break through and you see, you're going to feel like home. You're not supposed to feel like home here. We're only passing through. That's it. We're only passing through. It's a short time. We're living here for there, for all of eternity. Remember what Abraham said. He said, in here, there's no continuing city. It's not supposed to be a city that continues forever. Ours is a kingdom that shall know no end. And then heaven is a place where there's room for you. Because Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. Now, I know there are all sorts of interpretations of that. And you can believe any of them, and I'm, maybe all of them are right. All, all I know is, let it be according to your faith. I got a big mansion waiting for me in glory. They told me that. I'm going to believe it. I don't care what it looks like. It's going to be heaven. Heaven is heaven. It may be a shack. It's heaven. But the only way, listen, the only way to have your names registered in the registry, according to Hebrews, is to know Jesus, to have your sins washed by the blood of the Lamb, having repented, turned to him by faith, and trust in him for salvation. I don't know any other way. That's it. And we're going we're gonna to stand on it, believe it. And I want to just pray. So that's, that's the word that I had today. And I'm going to pray for encouragement. And some of you, listen, the battles are growing weary out there sometimes. That's why we have to come together. Do you know that scripture says, do not forsake yourself, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of many. It actually says the manner of some. I disagree with that, Lord. It's the manner of many. No, it's a manner of, of some. But the key is we don't want to get too far apart. We got to encourage one another. While it is day, while it is day, exhort the saints. Come on up, Marlon, pray and play. I, I want to pray, first of all, before I pray. And I believe there are going to be miracles. I believe there already have. Man, just when the testimony was given, I believe there was the power of Jesus was present to heal. And it not only was in this place, it was in your place. Because Jesus is the same here, there, yesterday, today. He's the same. 
He knows no barriers, no walls. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He's God Almighty. How many of you know that? And if you've never met Jesus, because I know that this word's going to go to many places we'll never get to go to with our feet. So we're going to go to in this way. And if you've never put or placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if right now, if you were to die and you faced eternity, are you certain, are you absolutely certain that your name is written in the registry of heaven and you would be invited in to be a part of a great company, innumerable company of angels the household of God. Jesus called it heaven, the house of God, the Father's house. And if you're not, I want to pray with you. You say, how? Well, you have to know that you need a Savior, and our Savior is none other than Jesus. And uh, they'll be presenting a lot of different Saviors to you in this hour. None of them will work. They all will fall on their face. Jesus is our Savior. You come to him, you say, I repent. I I choose to turn from my own sin and I choose to turn and follow you. I believe in you. I confess you. If you confess him with your mouth, you believe in him in your heart that God raised his son from the dead, you will be saved. And the call of the hour is issued to us. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not only individuals, that's nations. Many of you right now, you're hearing from a nation and you have an authority in that nation and you see what's happening among the league of nations on the earth. You don't like what you see. Call on the name of the Lord. A savior will show up in your land and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the king of glory. Make him the king of your nation. Many are doing that. I heard Chile, they made a decree. They determined, they voted righteousness and there are other nations. Our prayer is our nation. And whether our nation does or not, there's a nation inside of this nation that's already made up our mind. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. We're not going to back down. But we want to pray with you right now. If anybody in this room, you don't know if you know that you know that you know. Don't leave here without knowing that you can know. This is the hour of salvation. The hour is urgent. It's urgent more than we know. It is desperate, urgent. There's an SOS being issued, I think, right now in the spirit, calling people to the Savior. So just pray something like this. Say, dear God, you pray it out loud too, just as a reconfirmation, okay, and to encourage the crowd online or in this room. Say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. And I ask you now to forgive me of all of my sin. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I turn from sin and I turn my life over to you. I believe in my heart that God has raised his son from the dead. And now I confess him with my mouth as my Lord and Savior. I call on you, Jesus, and I receive you by faith. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. Give me the gift of faith so that I can do your will on this earth. And be one of the mighty ones that you died for and you've called in this hour. And if you prayed that prayer, you need to please connect with us. You know, the gathering church office at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'll send some information to you. Same thing here. We're going to pray for people this morning around the altar. Um, You know, I really appreciate you mentioning Ricky. Ricky wouldn't claim, hey, this, that had nothing to do with him, but he prayed the prayer of faith. That's what it had, the prayer of faith. And the men, Manasseh and the other men that prayed over you. There was nothing unique about the men or the women. It's just they believe in Jesus. Jesus lives in them. And they laid hands on you. And, and God honored their faith. But he's still the same. And we believe in Moravian Falls, he's going to show up like 
we've always ever dreamed he showed up. Always we've ever been told. Always it's ever been prophesied. We already read that scripture in Acts. Heaven will retain him, Jesus, until the restoration of all those things that have been spoke by all the mouth of the holy prophets since the world began. Every prophecy, every promise, thus saith the Lord.